we started, where is that little, oh I love that, thank you. We started introducing you to a series called Love, Learn and Live. And um, we explained to you the whole concept of love, that we need to love the word. We said that we need to learn the word, study the word, but it doesn't help if we just stop there. Amen? We've got to now live the word, which means we've got to apply what we love and what we're learning. It doesn't help if you just love these things and spend a whole lot of time um, in front of, with the Bible, but you don't apply the Bible. And so for the next nine weeks until the um, second last weekend in November, the last weekend in November will be our end of the year celebration where we're going to have a party. We're going to just go wild and we'll still announce all of the details about that. Can't believe that we're talking about the end of the year already and that you've got like 65 shopping days left for Christmas, I think. I don't know. I didn't count it. But nevertheless, for the next nine weeks, we want to see in what areas of life we can live the Word. If we look at the Word, what areas... Do the word, or does the word tell us to adjust our lives accordingly? And there are obviously more than just nine. But um, we're going to look at areas like um, sharing life. What does the word say about sharing life? We're going to talk about, um, what does the word say about relating to people? Relating to one another. Because again, if we love the word, we learn the word, we're going to apply principles about how do we relate. Uh-huh. So you're going to have to buckle up your safety belts for those moments. We're going to also talk about how, what does the Word teach us uh, when we start loving and learning it? How do we apply handling money? <laughs> That's a nervous law. Okay? It's just like rehearsing what it may be doing in your heart as you listen to that. It's that there are certain things that the Word will teach us. We're going to also talk about what does the Word teach us and how do we apply sexuality? And how do we value sex as human beings according to what the Bible teaches us? Because most of us have found an understanding about sex outside there, isn't it? You're very quiet. I know we all have. We're going to talk about how to deal. What does the Word of God teach us about dealing with life's challenges? We have challenges in life. But what does the Word teach us about it? And how do we apply that? And so there are various topics that we will keep on announcing a week ahead. So we'll by the Friday or so send out a WhatsApp. And if you're not on the WhatsApp list and you want to be on, please go to the Info Hub and say, I don't receive the WhatsApp messages every week. I'd love to be informed and keep track of where we're going. Okay? So that's the journey ahead. And so this morning, I want to kick off the application. Last week we chatted about the basic understanding of don't just love and learn. Apply it. And I want to use a simple um, starting point this morning to help us understand how we ought to apply the Word of God in regards to engaging God. Because I believe if we don't engage God in a meaningful relationship, in a, in a significant, um, active relationship with Him, then all of these other applications cannot come. Because then, engaging God or, or, or just learning the Word is just becoming an informational kind of exercise and an intellectual journey. And so this morning, that's where we want to start. Just engaging God. And it made me think of an experience that happened 31 years ago in my life. 
It was September, same month as where we are now, 1987. When I happened to be in a little town called Louis Trichard, I was part of a Bible school and uh, we had been on a journey to go and minister into the area. And six months prior to that moment, it was then obviously March 1987, I had met this girl. And took notice of it, but, but her, but of her, but not too much. So I was focused on Jesus. <laughs> I kind of lost that focus, I guess, then, because in September I needed to kind of be reintroduced to her. No, I didn't lose the focus of Christ. I really felt that, man, I want to go see this girl again. And so I prayed. And I said, God, please, you're going to help me understand if this is the right thing to do. So because she was still at school... She was finishing school, all right? It was not like Form 1, not Form 2. It's like a last year of school. Okay? Just bear with me. Some of you are worse cradle snatchers than what I have been. Anyway. So, so last year of school, I'm in the area, and I'm thinking of this lady. And I'm saying, God, please show me what is the right thing. God spoke to me, and I'm so eager to go and see her. All I know is her first name. I don't even know her last name. And all I also knew is that she was at boarding school, at a school, a high school in Louis-Trichard. And I found out where the school is and the boarding school, obviously. So I guess in the afternoons, they're probably available. I'm going to drive there. I'm going to introduce myself again. She had met me six months ago. But I'm so keen to kind of just rekindle something that possibly never existed before. <laughs> and so I arrive at the boarding house of the girls' section. And I'm a bit intimidated, like many of you men are, when you enter a woman's world. And so I get to the reception and I'm like, hi, I'd love to see Subin. Because I don't know, what's her surname again? And so they call her. She was last year, so she's kind of well known, final year at school. Out comes this girl, she's just woken up. It's late afternoon and she's taken a snooze and I consequently found out 31 years in the making that this is a you know, regular thing that she loves to enjoy um, in the afternoon, taking a bit of rest. And so my first introduction that day was, oh, she's just woken up. This is a bad time. She's not going to remember me at all. And if she does, she won't, might be interested in me at all. So I'm keen because God spoke to me. This is the girl I want to pursue. And I didn't start out with, hey... Here I am. <laughs> Jesus spoke to me. So I've come to pursue you. And she's like, oh, I'm so glad. No, it didn't happen that way. I wish, I wish. Um, and that's how we're, my journey of pursuing her started. And today, in, in December, on the 17th of December, we will celebrate 30 years together as a married couple. But it started somewhere. Another journey started a year before that for me, where I started seeing Christ and who He is and how amazing this God is. And I started my journey of pursuing Him. And praise the Lord, I didn't have to wake Him up out of sleep. He was awake and alive and well. He was ready to say, come, if you want to follow me, follow me, my son. And today, more than 31 years ago, I celebrate just this incredible privilege I've had of pursuing Him, of 
drawing near to Him, of engaging Him. And I've subsequently found out that even though you, you, you make great commitments the day you start, it is not how you start it, but it's how you keep on pursuing. It's how you keep on following. It's like this man whose wife woke him up one night and said, Honey, do you love me? Do you love me? Like, well, I told you 30 years ago I loved you. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. It doesn't work like that, does it? It's not, hey, what I started off with, I haven't changed my mind, so you ought to know that I'm still in love with you. No. What we have started, we keep on appreciating. We keep on loving. And I must say, I've just grown in my love for Sumin, and I appreciate her. Incredible. The fruit of our journey together it's not just three boys, one of which is getting married, but just a lifelong, fulfilled experience of marriage together and life together. And I just want to say I love you so much. Honor you. And, uh, oh, <laughs> but the thing is that I want to help us understand that our pursuit of God is an ongoing thing. And it's great to have a date. It's great to have it. I actually don't have a date in my start with my journey with Jesus. It happened over a prolonged period of time. Many people have that date, and I, I have no problem with it. The point is not what happened then, but what is happening now. It's great to have started. And if you haven't started, friend, we would love to help you get started. But the point is, where are you today in terms of engaging God? If you read the Bible, does it stir you more towards engaging Him, drawing near to Him? Because it ought to. It was written for that purpose. The Bible was not firstly written to help us understand that we need to meet regularly as believers. The Bible was not written primarily to help us just to forgive one another. The Bible was not written so that we could have a structure in the life of the local church and understand how things work and that there ought to be this and there ought to be that and there ought to be these things pre present. The Bible was not just written so that we can know how to love one another and love our husbands and love our wives. But if I may say that the entire book called the Bible is centered around a relationship with God. And if we study it, if we love it, we learn it, but the outliving of it does not lead us to a meaningful, daily, active relationship with Him where we engage Him. I'm sorry to say then the Bible is just another book. The Bible is a book collection of books that help us get to know him interesting that um you ask people and i went and i kind of just looked into this a bit and say what is the one sentence or the one message that we can kind of come up with that we can summarize the bible with what is the one message and and then there are hobos of them they're plenty but I wanted to say that it's this for me. The message of the Bible, or the, um, yeah, the message of the Bible in one sentence is this. God made it. We broke it. 
Jesus fixed it. God made it. We broke it. Jesus came to fix it. What is that it? God made it. God created relationship with us. He didn't just create a world. He created this creation so that you and I could see Him in that, so that we may relate to Him. That's why if we, if we fall in love with the creation instead of the Creator, that's idolatry. We're worshipping something that was created. We're not worshipping the Creator. So God made relationship. He created it for us so that we can know Him. We came and said, I want something else. So we messed it up. Jesus had to come to restore it. He did not come just to forgive you for your sin. Jesus came to restore what initially was created. What God made, we messed up, He came to fix. That's the message of the Bible. And so, in other words, if I take the Bible, and it doesn't lead me to the place where what has been fixed is experienced, then the Bible is just another book. Does that make sense? We've got to find what the purpose of this book is. And then we've got to love it, we've got to learn about it, but then we've got to apply it. In other words, we've got to engage God in a meaningful way. Not a religious, legalistic way that said, have you done your five minutes this morning? And if you haven't, you're out of line. And you better watch it because if the lightning strikes you, it's because God is speaking to you. No. Not talking about that kind of a religious, legalistic way of following God. Talking about a meaningful relationship with him. And so, may our Bibles that, and again, as I said to you, and I'll repeat it, if you don't have one, please ask us. But may the Bible help us, because it's been written for this purpose, it's been preserved, it's been kept for the purpose of you and I engaging God. And if it doesn't, then again, it's like this little item that somebody gave me at a, um, it was a Christmas time. And everybody brought little gifts. And you know how it goes, and you kind of chuck it into a bowl, and then you get to pick something, or something is picked for you. Now this was picked, was picked in December 2009. I don't know why I've kept it. It says, Instant Spot Remover Spray. Travel size. So I guess when you travel and, and there's stains that come, I guess when we're on the plane on Tuesday night and I stain myself, I can use this. I obviously have not used it for almost 10 years now. It's a helpful tool, but it's not been put to use in terms of just possibly, I don't know how good it is. Um, it has the potential to change a particular predicament that you find yourself in. I've never used it. May we not say the same about this. Grew up with a Bible in the house. Have the Bible around. Hey, maybe sometimes I read it. Hey, I actually don't mind reading it. Hey, actually, I'm learning a couple of things about it 
hey, but are we applying it? That's the question. And are we applying what the Bible essentially, there are many other reasons why we have this, but are we applying the essential message that this Bible carries, which is relationship with God, engaging Him, drawing near to Him? Folks, this morning, I want to encourage you about that. I want to just take you to two portions of Scripture that explains to us just a little bit from the biblical understanding how important it is to engage God. Now, if we look at the word engage, just to help us understand a little bit better, because now the context is we want to engage God, all right, which is relationship, which is drawing near. Let's just understand the word engage a little bit better. Is that all right? Okay, just check on your neighbor because this is an important moment. If they're asleep now, you're going to engage them to help them out of their slumber. So just help me. If there's any problem that you can't wake them, also just call for help. We're here for you. Anyone? Now I'm not going to mention names. I thought there were some people brattling that we needed to go and help, but um, no names mentioned. Okay, good. The word... Engage simply means to interlock with. I love that. To interlock with. It's not just, I'll connect with you just quickly for a brief moment. It's an interlocking. It talks about being bound to someone. Really not just, you know, we give a quick little hug. I'm not talking about those kind of locking moments. Talking about something more meaningful. It talks about participate in, join in, become involved in. Occupy oneself with throwing oneself into something. Sharing in, being associated with. Enter into. In other words, it's an active word. You agree? Not just this passive thing that, hey, we're going we're gonna to engage a little bit. No, no. It is, I'm committing myself to something. So as I read the word, and I see that God longs me to be with him. There's, one of the names that God says about himself, he says, I'm a jealous God. My name is actually, I'm jealous for you. Because I don't want to share you with any other idols and stuff. And so when we read that in the Bible, we've got to understand that God wants to engage us. Not whilst we're engaging other things that we are engaging Him. He says, no, no, no. When you engage me, you've got to understand that I'm the only one in your life that you should engage like this. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have any other friends. I'm just saying God says, well, how you follow me is you follow me as the only one first. I've got to be the number one because I created you for that. So it's an active word. It certainly implies that we cannot be left in the drawer like the spot remover. Okay? I mean, I, I literally took it out for the first time in years. I don't know why I still keep it. I'm going to give it away today, by the way. So maybe this is your lucky day for your drawer to become filled with something like this and never be used. Point is, let us never let the word of God become that to us. And so... Can I take you to Psalm 91? Is that okay? Psalm 91. A lot of people use this as a kind of like a verse to imply that we can call out to God. Because Psalm 91, like the Americans, they have 911. They, I mean, 
I don't particularly fall for those things because, by the way, there were no verses and chapters when the Bible was written. Did you know that? We added verses and chapters just to help us to, um, to know where we're reading. But, um, so just to, to kind of count the numbers of chapters in the Bible and say, come to the half and then say, well, can you believe it? The middle of the Bible is this. And say, oh, God, no, no, that's just, it's just some just coincidence. All right, so Psalm 91. So sorry to spoil that theology of yours. Like, the middle of the Bible is verse, chapter so-and-so, verse that. And, and it really does talk about everything. Sorry, it's just coincidence. Psalm 91, verse 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And uh, actually, the, some incredible things out of this chapter that we need to understand. We're talking about this in the context of engaging God, all right? So Psalm 91 talks about engaging Him. Which words would you think refer to that? We engage God. He who dwells. There's a clear difference between dwell and visit. Where do you dwell? Where is your home, correct? It's not where you visit. Some of the places you visit are dodgy, so don't tell me. Maybe the place that you are at home. No, no, that shouldn't be. But we have a home at a specific place where you, most of you probably will go there after this meeting. Correct? That's your home. That's where you spend most of your time. You dwell there. Now the psalmist says, God and engaging Him is the same. We don't visit God. <laughs> Correct? It's not like, hey, we're going to go to a church meeting on Sunday, we're going to visit God a bit. And then we're going to go do our own thing. No, engaging God is a lifestyle. It's not a place. It's not a destination. It's a person. Okay? It is not a meeting. It's not a moment. It's a lifestyle. So you're dwelling with God right where you are right now. So he who dwells in the shelter. There's another word here that is used that often we actually miss. Um, the Hebrew word talks more about a secret place, not just a shelter. Shelter, in a sense, a hiding place where you kind of go into, not hiding away from things, but go to and experience something unique. And that's what the psalmist is trying to help us understand here, is that we, we dwell with God in the secret place, because our relationship with God is most often a secret thing, isn't it? Our discussion, our conversation with Him is secret. It has a public expression and a public outworking. But we ought to, when we engage God, we need to understand that we go to dwell with Him. We don't just go and visit Him. What we visit is this, is this intimacy with Him. This daily walk with Him. And so, we then find that the results of those, and we're going to have time to read through all of this in Psalm 91. But it says in verse 2, If I then dwell in the shelter or in the secret place of the Most High, I will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That's where I stay. Abide or your abode, uh -huh, your home. So this is where I will stay. The outworking of that place or that lifestyle is what we then find further on. Listen to how this um, reflects in the life of those who 
who stay there, who abide there, who dwell there. Verse 2 says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Listen to the, con the confessions that the psalmist would make. He says, he will deliver me. He carry on in verse 4, he will cover you. Under his wings you will find refuge. It says his faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. That says in verse 5, you will not fear terror, nor the pestilence, nor the arrow, nor destruction. He will see here in verse 9, it says, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. See, it's not a, it's not a physical place. It is a person that we engage on a regular meaningful and relational basis when we do that in verse 9 the most high who is my refuge no evil shall be allowed to befall you no plague come near your tent he will give his angels command concerning you to guard you and so it just carries on and on and then it seems like in verse 14 it's kind of like there's a response from God because it's inverted commonly it's kind of like somebody speaking now. It says, because he holds fast to me in love. Can I say this is God speaking? God saying, if you dwell with me, if you confide in me, listen to this. If you hold fast to me in love, I will deliver you. I will protect you because you know my name. That when you call to me, I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will rescue you. And I will honor you. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. God's speaking. Say, guys, if you, if you dwell with me, if you regularly just come and sit in this shelter, in the secret place, and hear my heart, this is what I will declare to you. It'll change the way you think because listen to the response, the fruit of dwelling. The psalmist is saying, hey, he will deliver me. He will be with me. I will be okay. As I engage him, I will see him. I will get to know his heart. I will be okay. No secret formula. Just a very, very special relationship that we can have as we engage him. Can I just have this Bible and read it and not engage him? And so, I want to suggest to you that dwelling in the shelter or in the secret place of the Most High, abiding in the shadow of the Almighty, is a positioning that you and I need to decide to do. God cannot do that for you. He says it's available. That's why we often have these invitations in the Bible where God says, come, come. So you and I need to position ourselves towards engaging Him. And we have many excuses that keep us from that. But I just want to ask you, how are you positioned today? How are you positioned for engaging Him? How is your current lifestyle allowing you to engage Him? The Bible is there. Great. Read it, friends. But read and apply it. Apply it by positioning yourself. Can I suggest that there's one person that, that did that? And we know very little about him, but we're going to go and read, to him, read about him from Genesis 5. One of the first examples in the Bible of this kind of lifestyle 
we found in the life of a very simple man called Enoch. He was a seventh generation from Adam. So like Adam was his great, 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 great grandfather. And he experienced something I think that God wants all humanity to experience. Let me read to you Genesis 5. We're going to read that first and we're going to just comment around it. So Genesis 5 is talking about all the descendants from Abraham to Noah. And then in verse, um, let's read verse 18. It says, when Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Enoch, or Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years. <laughs> and had other sons and daughters. Probably would have, hey, in 800 years. <clears throat> if Brendan can do five in ten years... Uh, I mean, imagine how many Jared could do. In, it's like, imagine if you lived this long, hey? Ah, just like, goes beyond, goes beyond. Jeez, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I don't know where that came from. Um, it says, that's all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. And it says when he was 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch was 365 years. We're like, gee, that's a bit weird because all the other guys, if you look at them, they're like 800 and above, 900 and above. He had 365 only. 24, it says, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Like he was walking with God and boom, gone. After 365 years. There's a lot of discussion around why that happened. But what is interesting there is that the Bible refers to something very, very special. Something that God created us for. Because if you read in Genesis 3 verse 8, you'll find that just after Adam and Eve had sinned, God was walking in the garden looking for them. God was going around. And an amazing thing is that the Bible says that they heard God walk. How's that? Imagine hearing God walk. Imagine the intimacy that speaks of. Hey? That we could hear God walk. And so that was lost. Because of sin. But somehow, by God's incredible grace, a man called Enoch walked with God. And it speaks of something incredibly intimate that he seemingly had with God. That may be the reason that only 360 years, 65 years was, was his walk on earth that God said... I kind of like this guy so much. I want him to come walk with me forever in heaven. I'm going to just take him. It's just, man, this is so sweet, what we have. That's just my paraphrase, all right? The Bible doesn't say that. But I can imagine a father in heaven. Enoch, this is so amazing. You're living down there amongst sin because obviously the fall had happened. And you're walking with me as though none of that is even around. Come on. You could live another 600 years according to in a lifespan of people around you at that time. Hey, why don't you come up? I just come and walk with me here. 
point is this. And we see in scripture that God loves this. God loves it when we engage him. God loves it when, when we draw near to James 4, verse 8. You can go read it at your own time. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He loves it when you, when you initiate this relationship with him. In my context, I, I initiated something and, and I'm so glad I did. And together I'm so thankful and happily married. But I thank God that he, he came to walk with us first. Because we weren't interested in him, remember? None of you woke up one day and said, Hey, hey yeah, I want to walk with God. It's like your first day out of your mother's womb. Yeah, and none of you did. It was a process. And, and by God's grace, it's still a process for some of you. And that's fine. But what I ask of you and plead with you, my friend, is don't ignore this longing that a father has to walk with you. And you can make a call towards that even today. The point is this. We have a loving father who says, I've given you my word to love the word, to learn more about the word, but I want you to apply the word. I want you to read it. I want you to engage me as you read it. Don't just let your minds be filled with intellectual knowledge, but friends, come into a dwelling relationship with God. We see that this man had that incredible, wonderful relationship that he entered into. And so I want to encourage you today. Let not this be real for you, that you have an item like this in your life called the Bible. That's just there for no purpose at all. You can have a thanks for coming today and leading us in worship. It's a blessing, eh? <laughs> Go put it in your drawer, bro. <laughs> Point is, we have the Bible that will help us to engage Him. If we have the Bible that is supposed to help us engage God, may I just make some suggestions of what could keep us in life from engaging Him. Just simple ones. Firstly, you may not be aware of the invitation. You may not be. Completely oblivious to it. Ignorant of it. I've never heard that God invites you into a engaging Him. You thought that it's just this religious, legalistic, um, lawful thing that you've got to come to a meeting and, and sit there and, and this is what God expects of you. He invites you to a meeting where, gee, now we've got to keep quiet and not smile. And No, no. Engaging God is much more than that. If you'd never heard of that, we'd love to help you. Nobody's told you. You never knew you could. We'd love to help you understand that a relationship with God is what this whole life is all about, and the Bible exists for that. The second reason why I think we could, what could keep us from engaging God is we, we're just not listening to the invitation. We're just so busy. We know about it. We know that He wants it. But we're just so busy. I'm not dwelling. From time to time I'm visiting. Every now and again I just quickly pop a prayer. But you know what, if I drive, no, that's my time. I just talk to God quickly and I'm like, where will God when He just... That's my time with God. And it's like, is that 
dwelling? Or is that you just talking? There's a difference. A real difference. We're so preoccupied, not really able to stop and listen. And uh, Actually, we can't afford to stop. I'm I just so busy. So, the reason why we can't engage is just not listening. That invitation is there all the time. Another reason why we don't engage is we're just not responding to the invitation. I hear it. I, I'm aware of it. But I just become lazy. I just become lazy. I keep on postponing. I just... So many other reasons. Another thing that in part of that not responding is that I, I have shame in my life. I sit with guilt. And so that keeps me from responding because I feel so bad about what I've done. And what has taken place in my life. How can I respond to this invitation to go near to God if I have so much stuff in my life? That's why an invitation is given to you and me. Because we don't deserve to come. He opens a door for us to come in. And He says, come no matter what. He invites us. The last reason that could keep us from engaging God is uh, just not worried about the invitation. Uh, just, I'm okay. I'm self-reliant. There's pride in my life. I don't need this. I actually can cope. On my own. I'm actually, if I really am honest with myself, I'm deceived to think that I don't need this. Because I really do. I really do need it. But I just pretend that I'm fine. And the invitation is there to engage. But I just kind of like batted away. Sometimes there's a nudge here, a flick over there. Sometimes it's a six. I hit it away. Like I don't have time for it. Says whatever it is, a bat in my hand, and now the ball is thrown at me, invitation, and I just bat it away. So, friends, this morning, I want to ask you, how are you positioned? How are you engaging God? Through the application of the word, through us engaging the word, how's your response towards engaging Him? And if you live with any of these reasons and may I say excuses also for not doing it but you this morning in your heart say Jesus that's it I've had enough I'm going to keep on living with these excuses can I ask the band just to come to the front as we just prayerfully consider this moment of saying God I don't want to I don't want to miss out on what the Bible is really there for the Bible is there where God wants to reveal Himself to humanity. And what God reveals through the Word is who He is. And what He wants us to do with who He is is to approach Him, engage Him, encounter Him, draw near to Him, walk with Him. And if the Bible is not currently accomplishing that in your life, through you studying it, I pray this morning that you will say, God, as I read the Bible from here on, because we encourage each other about this reading, eh? But as we stand before Him, say, God, I want to let the Word of God lead me to a meaningful engaging of God, not just an intellectual understanding of God. That's where I want to go. And if there's any one of you this morning that are saying in your heart, 
I don't want to move from just the intellectual engaging to a, a relational following engaging of God. I want you to stand. I want to pray with you. Saying, God, the Bible is great. And it's leading me, supposed to leading me to a place of relating to you. I want to engage you that way. Why don't you just stand and let's pray together. I'm not going to rush this moment. Just anybody who's saying, God, I've been reading, but I wanted to go further. I wanted to go into really connecting with you and engaging you relationally. And know that you're a father who loves me, cares about me. I want to kind of like, I want to really use that spot remover. <laughs> Bible is much more than that. I want to apply this to my life in the sense of engaging you. And so, Father, I thank you this morning that the Bible is much more than just a book to read. There's so much more than that. And over the next couple of weeks, Lord, we, 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 we're trusting that we will see which other areas of life you want to challenge us and encourage us to apply the word in and change our perspective that maybe have become God-worldly. But this morning, Father, we want to start with just saying, thank you for the word that it's there to engage us to you. And as, Lord God, as each one of us that are standing, we're just saying, Jesus, we wanted to move beyond the intellectual experience of God. We wanted to move into a relational connection. We want to dwell. We want to be like Enoch, those people that walked with you and had something so special with you. And God, the word has been given for us. And your spirit comes and backs it up. You enable us. You're a helper, Holy Spirit, to help us understand the word so that we may engage God. So, Father, I pray for us as your people. Help us to engage you. Help, it to be, help us to let it be a lifestyle of engaging you. Not just moment by moment, but every day of our lives. God, we thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus.